I'm super excited about today's guest. Um, her name is Danielle Bruno, and she is the CEO of Tender Greens, and it is one of my favorite restaurants. And awesome. I have like I've been I've loved it for many many years. And in full disclosure, you and I were sitting on a panel maybe a few months ago. I was moderating the panel of these really super successful women. And when I heard you, I basically did it because they, I saw your name on the, like, on the list of who's going to be there. And I was like, oh, my God, CEO, Tender Greens. And that's basically why I wanted to be involved in the thing. Oh, my gosh. Yes. That's that. how much I love the restaurant. Wow. And then I met you, and you blew my mind because you were so normal and chill, and you didn't even, like, have an air about you. Like, as people would think, like, CEO of a, of a, of a company, and, and we're going to get into your background and all the other amazing places you were. And like, I just like really liked you. I loved your attitude. I loved the way you kind of carried yourself and spoke to, with people. And I'm just really happy to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I, I, I know. Like, your expectations. <laughs> I know. Well, listen, uh, you, you already did. You, you've met and you've exceeded my expectations before the podcast. Done. So let's just start with, um, I guess, some, like some background. I mean, obviously, I said that you are the CEO of Tender Greens, yep. which for people who don't know what Tender Greens is, it's uh, it's called, it's a, how do you say it? It's a fast California casual? fast or fine casual restaurant that has uh, food made from scratch daily. Right. And it's very healthy and um, probably one of my, like I said, my, one of my favorites. So how did you become, like, you're a woman, obviously, and uh, <laughs> obviously, and you have a, you've had a very successful career in uh, a very male-dominated world. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, before even 10 degree, let's even backtrack, you were at Apple, mm -hmm. um, one of seven uh, executives to, I guess, run the retail part. Cre create the retail. Create stores, the retail yeah. under Steve Jobs. So let's yeah. start with that. Like, how was it to work with Steve Jobs at Apple? So it was, I mean... It was probably a lot like you would imagine. I mean, he's a genius. Um, I didn't work with him on a daily basis, but I did interact with him several times and incredibly smart, passionate man with a strong vision, also a complete asshole. Right. But I kind of have this rule where if you're super smart, you're allowed to be an asshole. Like if you're an asshole mm. and you're not smart, to me that's unacceptable. I agree with that. So, but you kind of have a little bit more permission for somebody who has... Yeah, because you know what? It, for him, it wasn't really as about ego. It wasn't just like, I want to be right, I'm important. It was, he had a really strong vision for what he thought the company should look like, what the product should look like, how we should represent ourselves. And he didn't want that compromised. And if he felt like it was compromised, it was like he would just it would almost be like he would um, internally, you know, uh, like combust or something. So it wasn't just that he wanted to be right. It was just that he had this vision and it mm -hmm. was so pure that he really wanted it to come to life. And um, he didn't want people to prevent that from happening. But, but it wasn't really just that he wanted to be a superstar. I mean, I think that happened, but I, that wasn't his goal. That, I mean, that, I mean, that's, I don't know his inner thinking, but that was my impression. Did you have any kind of, you, is there any examples that you can think of, like of an interaction where his perfectionism was at its, like that you saw it happen in real life? Yeah. So, and it's funny, I mean, because of the, I mean, his outer appearance, I mean, he would wear, like you're wearing cutoff shorts. Mm -hmm. Um, he would wear, you know, black t-shirts, and cut off jeans or jeans with like holes in them. And it wasn't even meant to be uh, like a stat or a style thing. It was more just probably just easy because he just wore the same thing every single day. Um, but there was one day, and I've, I brought this up before, there was one day when we were, so I was part of this group of seven people mm -hmm. and we built this store. Did he pick you? Was he, one, was, was he the guy that said, I want these seven people to... To create the retail? Um, no. Um, I went through a pretty elaborate interview process with, with a lot of people. Um, and really, I think the person who had the final say in who the seven people were was Ron Johnson. Mm, okay. Um, and um, so we built this store inside this building. And this building was in, on Bub Road in Cupertino. And um, it was totally secret, secured building. And we had been iterating on this store for almost a year before anybody even saw the, the first version of it. But he would come in every week and walk with us and talk about what he liked and what he didn't like. And this is, I mean, I don't know if it's obvious to everyone else, but this is before computer stores were cool. 
Right. right. I mean, like before, before we opened the first Apple stores, you bought computers at like a Best Buy or at a CompUSA and it was all about stacking boxes. Maybe the product was out and visible, but often it was just stacked boxes. So the idea of sort of boutiquing out a computer store was really different. Right. That's what made him so innovative and, and, and a genius. In it, a way. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Just he had the ability to see things really before the rest of us Absolutely. did. So, um, so it was, you know, very boutique and, and the computers were laid out and things like, you know, you, like he didn't want us to ever show any wires. This is before wireless. There were no wires were allowed to be seen. So every single thing we mm-hmm. built, we had to make sure the wires weren't visible. Um, you know, the, the floors had to be perfectly polished. I mean, everything needed to be like completely stacked up and, um, like perfect lines. I mean, everything just needed to be perfectly neat and orderly. But one time, um, and, and we would even do things like, you know, what do you think the, the material for this um, shelving? And, and uh, one time when we were all walking and we all kind of just followed behind as he pointed things out. And he said to, um, I believe it was, it was one of the, it was, it was one of the carpenters. He said, um, I don't like the grain of this wood. I don't like the direction that the, the grain is going. Um, can you try again, but make the, the grain go the other direction? And the carpenter said, oh, well, um, trees don't grow that way. <laughs> and he was like, all right, then you're fired. And the guy kind of looked at him and we all just kind of startled. Like, is he? And, and the guy was paused and kind of like, 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 joking, like you're joking. Yeah. And then he goes, I'm not kidding. Get out of here. And uh, so the guy left. And then we just kept walking through. So I don't know what ended up happening with that guy. Um, See, that's, to me, that, that seems like absurd and crazy. It, it is absurd and crazy, but... The bigger message is he was so particular and had such a vision. He wanted somebody to bring his idea to life, right? right? So it's like, if you say, I want this to happen, I can either say, well, no, that can't happen. He did like the word no, maybe. Right. I mean, no, we like, you know, I mean, if you're an entrepreneur, you're running a business, the word no is just grating, right? So, um, you know, possibly he could have chosen different words. I don't know if it would have mattered, but possibly he could have chosen different words. Maybe he could have said, I think I know what you're going for. Let me try something. And you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, we've, we've had to do that, right? I've had, I've had people say crazy things and I'm like, I want to say you're, you're out of your fucking mind. Can I cuss? Uh, yeah, you can okay. say whatever you want. hundred um, percent, but you can't, right. So you're saying that the carpenter didn't maybe have the wherewithal to kind of just manage him a little bit and be like, yeah, let me look into it. Even though maybe just, it yeah, wasn't like, even possible. Or like I get it or... Or, um, okay. Let me try or again. Like, right. Exactly. Like here, here you are in front of people saying no, um, to somebody who has this amazing vision and is putting, you know, billions of dollars towards it. So it's, so I think it was, it felt a little bit like it was about that, but it also felt like maybe a bigger message. I get that. Now, so he was a micromanager then if he was coming in looking at every little detail like that, I would think that you would have a lot of interactions with him, even though. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't, I didn't report to him directly. So he probably really micromanaged Ron. I mean, there were very many times when, uh, we would all be in a room and he would get phone calls, but, but my, my sense was that he had, um, sort of pet projects. So when he was really excited about something, Mm -hmm. he really focused on that before he moved on to something else. Um, and also maybe after somebody sort of proved that they could, they could handle it. Um, but I think there were certain things that really got his attention, projects that got his attention, um, but there's no way he could micromanage everything because, um, we were at that point, such a tiny part of the, the bigger business. Right. Right. Cause it, was, it wasn't even existing yet. At this yeah. Point. I think right. he was just focused for a time when we were building it out. What I find interesting is you before, of course, now, like I said over and over again, that tender greens, tender greens, but your, your, uh, background with all these companies, all of them had very strong brands. I mean, mm-hmm. Apple was one of them. Pete's coffee was another mm-hmm. that I saw. Uh, dry bar, which mm-hmm. of course is, um, for, you know, blow dries for your hair. Um, what was the other couple that you, like you had, like it was, um, re- what was it called? The design, design yeah. Design within reach. Design uh-huh. within reach. These are all are very, like, very brand, like very iconic. good, with, like iconic yeah. building, beautiful brand branding. Yes. Now, my question is, were you a part <laughs> of the branding or do you pick companies to be involved with that have a very specific feel and touch and feel? And Yeah, it's a great question. I would love to take credit for all of those brands. <laughs> I so would too. <laughs> it was absolutely me. Uh, but no, in fact, somebody even made a comment the other day about, um, you know, like that I've been very successful in the companies that I've worked mm-hmm. for. They've, you know, they've either been turnarounds or they've had massive growth and, 
you know, what's the secret to my success? And I literally said, I just choose really good companies. So, um, if that's a talent right there, well, I think it's a talent. Um, but you know, if I got a phone call to go work for a company where I didn't totally believe in the product or I didn't think the brand had like either a cult following or the potential for a cult following, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't go because, um, I think it would be very, very hard for anyone to take a business where the product is substandard or where the brand is mediocre and make it um, a wild success. Mm -hmm. So um, I have joined these companies definitely at different stages, some before they opened, um, some in their early stages, some, you know, Pete's I joined uh, when they were 40 years old and they wanted to refresh the brand and open another 200 locations. So um, I've joined the companies at different times in their, in their maturity, but it was always with this notion that like I was the customer there. I love the product personally. I love the brand and I can see that the brand had a strong trajectory. So, what and so that for? would be my selection process. So what are you looking for exactly? So you, you ha- they, they already had some feel of, um, of, a, of an ability to kind of have a, some kind of like trajectory in the, in the business, but like mm-hmm. what exactly, I mean, is it too nuanced for you to say this, this and that? Is it just um, a feeling that you got or? Um, there's a little nuance to it, but I mean, part of it is just that, um, best in class, whatever product mm-hmm. it is, whether it's coffee or computers or blowouts or, you know, food, like best in class. Yeah. Um, another thing would be that, um, there's some disruption quality to it. There's something different about the business. It's got some major differentiator than other businesses like it. It's not another sort of me too business. Mm-hmm. Um, um, progressive company that um, really wants to appeal to maybe a younger or more aware audience. Um, you know, California is amazing, and I, I really lucked out because I haven't have mm-hmm. been able to stay in California. I was, I, I was born in California. Um, that's not always the case for people, but California definitely is, is helpful. Um, and then a brand that just has uh, the capital to grow and the investors and the board that really wants to grow. And that's usually my sweet spot. I can come in and say, okay, I can scale this. So Pete's Coffee, when you let's use that as an example. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Pete's drinker as yep. well. I love it. Um, what did you see differently in someone like them, for example? Apple, I got. People, I mean, people know Apple. We'll get to the other ones later. But what did Pete have specifically? So... Um, It's interesting. So um, where I was working right before Pete's actually was a company called Pure Beauty. And Mm. uh, I worked there. um, It was a it was sort of a high end skin and hair company um, that had about 70 locations. Um, I was the vice president of stores there. And I was hired to turn it around from this guy, Steve Hudson from a group Cameron Capital bought the business. Um, with the idea that it was this great business that had just been run into the ground and he wanted uh, somebody to sort of turn it around. So he hired me. Um, I also thought there was a lot of opportunity, turned the business around within a couple of years and sold it to Regis uh, Hair Salons in oh, Minneapolis. Regis. I remember them from so, yeah. back when. So uh, shortly after I started that job, I got a phone call from Pete. So I, um, I grew up in L.A., but I lived in the Bay Area for about 15 years. I, I did both um, undergrad and grad school there. And the whole time I lived there, I was a Pete's fanatic. Um, actually, there's a name for it. It's called a Pete Nick. Um, that's really the name for that's it? That's really the name oh, for okay. it. Oh, okay. I never heard that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I was a Pete Nick. And, and during most of those years, to buy Pete's coffee, you actually had to go to a Pete's coffee store. You couldn't buy it in the grocery right. stores. Right. I remember that, too. So um, I was a little bit of a coffee snob. And so I would go to the Pete's stores, and I'd buy my coffee there, and I would get it ground specifically for my machine, et cetera, et cetera. So it was one of like a handful of things that I was sort of into. Um, when I took the job at Pure Beauty, which actually was in LA, and I had to move from San Francisco to LA for the job, I got a phone call uh, from Pete's within like three weeks of me starting that job saying, hey, we have this position. We would love for you to, to interview for it. And I was like, I just took this other job. I just moved to Southern California, um, but let's stay in touch. And I literally stayed in touch with the recruiter there for the two years I was working at Pure Beauty. So when we sold Pure Beauty to Regis, um, they offered me a job in Minneapolis, right. which is like 
Hell no, I'm not moving to Minneapolis. Oh, I know. I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba, so I oh. know Minneapolis. And he's okay. from, and the video guy's from Win- Minneapolis. Wow, you guys are brave. <laughs> so, so, see, if you guys are from there, then you, you were born with something that I was not. Listen, you don't have to t- say it twice. <laughs> I know. I, I'm living in California for a reason. Yeah, okay, right? exactly, exactly. exactly. Right? So, uh, so I literally called Pete's back up and said, um, is there any way you'd still hire me? I don't know if that position's still open or a different position, but I really want to work there. And uh, they hired me and they moved me back to uh, the Bay Area. And I joined, um, the funny thing about Pete's, so so to answer your question, the, the thing I loved about Pete's is I really feel like, I still think it's the best coffee. Um, I'm a dark roast coffee drinker and I think it's the best coffee. So I liked it. I liked that it was sort of the Starbucks alternative. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved that it was sort of created in Berkeley. What I didn't really totally realize at the time until I worked there is actually Alfred Pete created um, the Arabica dark roast coffee movement in the country. Oh. Actually, Starbucks started by using Pete's coffee beans. They weren't even roasting their own coffee. Really? So they bought Pete's coffee for a long time. So um, I when I joined that. Pete's, I was just like, this is the coffee brand. And I thought they were so amazing. But they were operating in such a tribal mentality. The funny thing is, even though I, th- I think when I got there, they had maybe a hundred locations. They had been around for 40 years, but they had no process or systems because they were afraid that if they got too operational, that they would turn into a Starbucks. Right. So they would um, lose that edge. They would they lose had. that yeah, edge, the thing totally that made them cool. And I think probably people had come in before me and they really tried and they failed because they were like, oh, you're just too corporate. So I think because I had come from Apple, they sort of trusted me with the brand a little bit more. Oh like God, you I'm came sure. from Apple, what could you possibly do to hurt, you know, our brand? And and I mean, as you've um, observed, I mean, I'm not the typical corporate person. Well, hundred percent, that's <laughs> so, why not at all. And that's why I think that in itself, you, I, I can, you fit there so perfectly just from an outside perspective. Me looking in, right? Because you seem like the brand. You 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 seem like you would feel that, like you seem like the brand. Like you, yeah, no, and that's, yeah, and I feel like that, and yeah. I feel that way, and and you know what, that is kind of what these brands, that would be the through line, is that I feel a certain sense of like, I get the brand, I get the consumer, I know what they're doing, I know what they're trying to do, and I can help, and that's kind of my vibe. So what would you say your superpower would be when these, when these companies come to you, you said, you mentioned a little bit, you touched upon a little bit as like of a, you come in and you turn it around a bit, like you're a turnaround person that helps or expand the companies. Mm-hmm. Like I know tender, I don't think tender greens, it's a turnaround, obviously. It, what do you think that you are, your greatest superpower it could be one, it could be two, it could be 10 things that you do really, really well. I think if I were to boil it down to the most important thing, I would say leadership. Right. I, I think um, the way I lead is very specific. And um, I think it for these scenarios and these time, types of businesses, I think my leadership style really works. Um, I hire the smartest, best people. Um, you know, I try very hard to hire people who are smarter than I am mm-hmm. in every category. And uh, then I get out of their way, and then I consider my job to just move obstacles out of their way. And um, I believe that we're all going to succeed together. And I believed in what, you know, some call servant leadership before I even knew what servant leadership was, which is is basically servant leadership. Servant leadership. Um, And I'm not. What is that? So we know. Servant leadership is basically that um, my entire job is to make the people who work for me successful. Um, It's not their job to make me successful. My job is to make them successful because then by definition, they're going to, they're going to make me successful. And so, um, and if you talk to anybody who works for me, it sounds very sort of touchy-feely. I'm not a touchy-feely person either. I'm just super transparent. Right. And um, it's sort of, I mean, I guess it's amazing, but a little bit sad that my superpower might be sort of transparency and honesty, but it's true. And I think so many people are surprised by that, that they appreciate it. And um, they never want to work for anyone else because well, they're like, I know what you want and you're very clear about it. And you're authentic. That's what I said at the beginning of this podcast. Like, what, what I, why I gravitated to you, you know, even like if you didn't know, I did, but <laughs> I did. Um, was that like you had that authenticity, that realness, that like would make people want to be around you. That like it. I guess people, I feel, don't see it very often, unfortunately, right? So when they do see it, it's really appealing, yeah. and they want to be around it. And so, okay, so you're saying. 
you're saying what makes you a good leader is that you hire really well. You hire the smartest. I hire really well, and um, what else? and I'm a good communicator. You're a good communicator. Okay, so how do you how do you delegate then? Like, what is the process to be a good leader? So if someone's mm-hmm. like an entrepreneur, you know, a starting out, they're an entrepreneur, they're like a new CEO. Yep. How do they hone their leadership skills? Well, I mean, obviously, different people have different styles that work for them. Um, for me, it's really figuring out what the intention of the company is first, right? What's the company setting out to do? Is is it a turnaround situation? Is it, you know, Apple, when I got there, uh, Apple computer sales were 4% of all computer sales, so the market penetration was really low. So a big part of the mission there was just to awareness of the brand and, and the 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 quality of the product. Um, if it's, you know, creating a new brand that, that doesn't exist, if it's a new way of doing things, if it's, uh, like tender greens, we want to grow the business and we want more people in the world to eat a real, um, whole good food. Um, so, so it's like, what is the, the bigger sort of, um, vision of the company? What's it trying to accomplish? And so once you understand what the company is trying to accomplish, um, you figure out what the resources are, uh, re- what the required resources are to to accomplish that, and that's you know capital, that's people, that's systems, um, and then you go out and f- find the people um, that are really great at that thing. So uh, when I went to Tender Greens, I'll, I'll be honest, I actually replaced the entire executive team within the first two months. Really? Yeah, uh, because they were great Amazing. people, and I you know if any of them are he- hearing this, I mean. I, you know, I am not a big fan of allowing people to stay in roles that they won't be successful in. Mm-hmm. So I, again, I'm just very no, authentic about it. And yeah. I just say this, you know, this is what we need here. This is the job um, that's required. And um, it's not your strength. Right. And so go find that thing and be wildly successful somewhere it's else. It's that honesty, though. You just finished saying that uh, that honesty is what makes you successful, right? right. Like so, you're 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 look you're you're seeing something, you're observing what was working, not working, and then like you're just saying to someone, listen, like this is not your pe- this is not what you're good at. Go find something that go you're find better. something yeah. else. Yeah. So you know, so so the team that was there um, helped bring the brand to where it was, which was great, um, iconic brand. Um, but it wasn't the right team to take it to the next level. So I brought in a new team of people and, um, you know, the, the guy I hired. So the one person I kept, uh, was the CFO, uh, and, uh, she's also a woman. So, uh, female CEO, CFO, um, she's recently dubbed herself sort of the nuclear cockroach because she's like been sticking around, but she, I mean, she's, <laughs> she's incredibly skilled and, uh, we have a great relationship and, uh, she actually was going to quit, uh, when I started because, um, she wanted the job and, uh, oh, she was like, happened. I really wanted the job. And she was really, she was like, I wanted the job. You got the job and I'm happy for you, but I'm going to, I'm going to leave and go somewhere else. Right. And I was like, okay, I understand. Right. Uh, and then we got to know each other even before I started working there. And, uh, before I started, she called me up and was like, okay, I'm going to stick around. Right. I was like, great. I was like, we're gonna do amazing things. So, uh, so she stuck around, but then the guy I hired for marketing, um, also like me, didn't have a restaurant background. He was the head of branding for Adidas. Um, and so he just, you know, he had this energy and this vision and this idea and this way of building a brand that I was like, okay, he's the right person. And I also liked that he didn't come from restaurants because what I learned in coming to the restaurant industry is the restaurant industry, generally speaking, is sort of woefully behind from a technology standpoint, mm-hmm. from a marketing business standpoint. So I wanted somebody who had really been part of building something amazing. Um, and just, you know, just kind of built the team that way and said, you know, like, what are your ideas and how can we make this work? And we have a meeting each week where we talk about our plan. At the beginning of every year, we create our strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, we figure out what that looks like. You know, one mistake I see everywhere. And even when I came to Tender Greens, I was like, what's let me see your strategic plan. And it was like 30 things. And I was like, Oh my God, like this is too many. Um, get it down to like three. And they were like three, that's impossible. He's like, get it down to three. Um, right. And, uh, so really figuring out what the most important things are each year and getting people, um, to, to align to that. But, you know, at, at my meetings, um, I have a lot of really strong personalities, a lot of people who are really good at what they do. And, um, I like, when there's friction, you know, I mean, we, we mm-hmm. have like knockdown drag out sometimes at our meetings. You do? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it's, I, I like it. I think it's, I right. think it's, I think it's awesome. And I mean, even it directed at me 
because I'm like, look, if I have an idea, um, and I'm like gung ho and, and we're going to go do something with that. Are you passionate about I'm it? I'm passionate about yeah. it, but it's a bad idea. And you're like, well, you're the CEO, so I'm just not going to say anything. That's a disaster. That's so true. So I'm like, if, if I have an idea and one of you is like, probably not a great idea, you are required to say something. Right. You're required to say something. And, um, I can veto it, but if I don't have the opportunity to at least hear your concerns, like, like, you know how you go around, I mean, I go around all the time to stores and restaurants and places and I'm like, whose idea was that? Or what, who let somebody get that oh, through? Yeah, or, you know, time. all the time. And yeah. I'm just like, it's like, like my biggest fear that, you know, to do something and have people be like, did nobody think about that? Exactly. So, so um, true. so it's like, I, I'm not alone going to be able to identify those things, but I have, if I have a really smart team, somebody's going to be able to catch it. Absolutely. And also I, what you just said was interesting. And I, I tend to agree that you pick someone, the head of marketing is from Adidas, not from the restaurant business. Cause do you feel, and maybe you, obviously you do, that if you're good at something, if you're good at something, it doesn't matter what industry you can you can take that same skill set and and plant it in a different industry, right? Because if you're excellent at marketing, mm -hmm. then that's your skill. You can take that and do it somewhere else, right? I think there are translatable skills that really. Play. I mean, obviously, if you're trained to be a doctor, you probably well, shouldn't like. Right, you know, I'm not go, saying like, like, build a house, but, but. Uh, right, right, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, but or I think there are. Or, I think there are some really important competencies that translate across industries. And I think if you're a smart person, and I mean, look, I, I say my skill is leadership, but I think my skill is really just like connecting with people, mm -hmm. you know, connecting with the consumer, connecting with the employees. Mm -hmm. And so that I can take anywhere, right? So I think with, with marketing, it's about understanding the consumer. It's about understanding how people respond to things. It's about understanding... Um, the landscape, it's a, about understanding what people respond to, it's about understanding what noise is out there and when you should like, you know, turn up your volume or turn it down. I mean, I think if you know those things and you have a sense right. of it and you're good, then yeah, you can take that from place to place. More with our guest, but first a word from our sponsor. Is there something that's standing in the way of your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? If so, BetterHelp Online Counseling can be a great option for you. It's super convenient, and you get the help you need on your own time at your own pace. They have licensed professional counselors that are specialized in everything from dealing with depression, anxiety, relationships, and so much more. Everything you share is confidential, and if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason at all, you can request a new one for no additional charge. You can use any type of communication, text, chat, phone, and even video. And the best part, it's a truly affordable option. And now Habits & Hustle listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code HABITS. Go to betterhelp.com habits. Simply fill out a questionnaire and help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor suited for you. That's betterhelp.com habits. So what makes you, okay, so then how did that, how did you become this person, right? Like what, I mean, taking the skill set of being a good leader from place to place and company to company, what, like, how did you, how did you become this person? What's your back, like, yeah. what's your background before you became the successful professional, basically? Yeah, so I had, I, what I would say is I probably have had the really rough skill set my whole life. And so mm -hmm. really okay. for me, it's been like a, a lifetime of like honing it and polishing it and, and massaging it. But, um, like the raw me, like, uh, like out of the womb was probably not that different than this, you know, more like how you are now articulate me. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, I think I, I was definitely one of those kids early on that was, um, uh, as Tina Fey would say, bossy, you know, I was bossy. <laughs> I had strong leadership skills as a kid. I was, you know, I, I was, very controlling with my friends. Mm. Um, so I think I just naturally have those tendencies and, and, you know, at my age, I, I really believe, and I have two, two young kids and I think there's a lot that are just like, you just are born with. And that, you know, um, I think the natural environment, uh, sort of shapes what you're born with, but I think you're, we're you born innately with certain have You innately have You had things. these qualities. So, um, I was always like that. And then, um, sort of outspoken, opinionated, a little bit controlling. Uh, also I, I don't fun. know anyone like that. <laughs> <laughs> also fun and interesting. Yeah. I, I think it was very playful. I, I feel like, you know, probably a, a less 
good. Or you maybe don't seem too- stuffy at all. That's what, that's the word I like, not no. at all. You're, you, you may, you may have a strong personality and, you know, maybe controlling, but like, you still seem like cool and like, you seem very like, I hate this works. It makes me sound like a hundred years old hip, but you do <laughs> seem like you're hip. You thank know what you, I mean? Thank you. I feel like I'm hip. Okay, good. Thank um, you. But, uh, I, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm not controlling anymore. Um, I think I was controlling as a kid just because um, nobody was able to do anything right. Right. So I had to tell them how to do it. A hundred percent. Obviously, I, I, was, I, I was making them better. That makes sense to me. I mean, I don't know anybody else, but I, I get it. That. I totally get it. I can see that. So then what is your, like, besides that, like you were saying off camera, like, you know, you're, you, you had some, like, some struggles or yeah, what yeah, have yeah. you as a child yeah. that maybe have, like, shaped for who sure. you are. For sure. So I, I mean, I didn't want to ask off camera. No, I no. You to tell is, me now. No, this is all, this is all live, which yeah, I love. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, um. So, uh, I, so I had these, you know, this, this personality as a kid and then, um, my parents got divorced when I was 12 mm. and my, my father, um, was a homicide detective and he was a bit crazy, um, you know, alcoholic, um, had some violent tendencies, womanizer, um, you know, really like actually a really fun guy. I mean, this like, honestly, this is like a really fun guy, but probably not amazing to be married to. Well, I was going to say, you don't hear that as an occupation very often. Like very rarely do you hear like I'm a homicide detective. I was going to say that's a cool job. It sounds like it's a cool job, except for you, you know, you're looking at dead bodies yeah. every day, that part, but, but it's more the fact that it's not, it's not your everyday. Hey, I'm a, you know, an accountant. Hey, I'm a teacher. <laughs> no, like no, a homicide no. detective. Like that was, that's going to like, that's going to make me inquire about like, really? hundred percent. Tell me right. what's happening. Totally, tell me totally. the worst thing, the best thing. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, I mean, he, he was, he was, just, he was a very interesting guy, but, um, how can he do the job if he was an alcoholic though? Didn't that kind of, Oh my God. Fuck with his I'm, ability I'm to pretty certain. It's like a criteria for the job. I, I would, I would probably yeah, imagine that's that probably, too. Right? Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, yeah. So I think, I mean, I'm pretty sure, um, uh, I can say this because he died a week ago. Um, which is a weird thing to say and it's shocking it's on air, but, uh, I haven't talked to him in 30 years, but it's, it's, um, but you know, I mean, I think that my parents partied a lot and had a lot of friends who were very social. They did drugs and I'm sure they were all things that he probably got from, uh, work. I can't even believe your dad died a week ago. I'm, so, I, I, I'm sorry. I know. I'm not, that, I'm, but, I'm, I'm, but yeah, you I'm not psychotic. I'm laughing, but I, I'm, no, but look, I actually really had to process this. Uh, so I hadn't spoken to him in 30 years. My youngest brother, uh, developed a relationship with him about eight years ago and started reconnecting with him, but I haven't spoken to him. Um, well, what happened? Um, so, so when my parents got divorced, um, we spent, uh, time with, with, my dad, my, my mom had full custody of us. Um, but we had a beach house, uh, in Carpinteria near Santa Barbara. And, um, he, he would pick us up and we would go to his beach house. And, um, he, it was a really crazy time because this was like, uh, 30 years ago. And, um, he would, he would pick up my mom and he would, he would come pick us up and he'd like have his like, you know, Audi sports card and he'd be like drinking. And, uh, my mom would call the police and just be like, you know, he's just picked up our kids and he's going to be driving them on highway 126 and blah, blah. And they'd be like, I think, you know, he's fine because he was a cop. And, uh, back then it was like, yeah, yeah. So, uh, they, they really wouldn't do anything. So she was kind of helpless, which, um, and now as a parent, I'm like, Oh my God, that must've been terrible. But, um, you know, he drove, he drove with like a, a gun in his, um, in his, uh, what's it called? The in his uh, glove compartment. Glove compartment yeah. yeah. So she's like, here's this guy. He's been drinking. He's driving on this highway with my young kids and there's a guy. And there's a, and so anyway, that wasn't the problem. That um, wasn't the problem. That wasn't the problem. Okay. What um, was the problem? So, um, I, you know, we would go hang out, uh, at his, uh, at, at our house at the beach. And it was actually incredibly fun. Like I had a really good time. I mean, he would, uh, take me, we would go to, um, we would go to like the local liquor store and he would get like, uh, a bunch of, uh, quarters and rolls. And then he would buy like whatever he was drinking, probably gin. And, and he would get me a little bottle of peppermint schnapps. 
and I was like, I don't know, 12 or something, and uh, 13, and we'd go to the arcade and play uh, video games. So would you be drinking that too? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, so it's you pepper were like, schnapps. Yeah, so, like, so you were like, like a mint. So were you like drinking with your dad at, a tw- at age 12, basically? Yeah. yeah. It was super fun. Yeah. So when we played video fun, games but... and like, and I, it's like he had all these quarters. So anyway, so, so it was fun. So another anecdote, just because it feels like this is exciting to you. Um, <laughs> there was, uh, there was this time he took me to, and, and eventually I'm going to like, my goal is to someday write a book about this stuff because I think there's something here, but, uh, this is I, uh, exciting. this is interesting actually. He took me to this beach, uh, in Santa Barbara. That's a nude beach. And he, like, we went above on this bluff and like, he, he, he like brought binoculars and we just sat on the hood of his car and like looked at nude people on the beach and listened to music. And I was like, this is the, the coolest thing. So anyway, so were those... you drunk though at that point? Like, you, <laughs> I mean, like, were well, you... no, of course not. That would be, that'd be outrageous. Right. Outrageous. No, that'd be, that would be terrible. So that's good. So, you, so did, did, so how long was this going on? For? So, so, we, so we had this bond. So we, we had a lot of fun for many years. Um, and, uh, the, but here was the problem. Those things were actually not the problem. And those things also did shape me. And I think in a, in a way that I, I actually appreciate, um, the problem was when we spent time together, he would talk a lot of shit about my mom. Like mm. he would just say terrible things about her. And I was very close to her, obviously as, as mm-hmm. most kids are. Um, and they were like, now again, as an adult, I realized they were totally inappropriate things to say, just really mean things. And so when I would go back, when the weekend was over, I would have all this anger towards my mom and I would be confused and I wouldn't know how to handle it. And when I started getting older, um, probably like closer to 16, I started to realize like that this was not a, not a healthy way for me to be interacting with a parent. Mm-hmm. And that when I'd come home from these visits, um, I would feel terrible and it would take me like the whole rest of the week to get over. And so one day I was just like, I'm just not going to talk to him anymore. I'm just not going to hang out with him anymore. Just one day, just one day. And then I didn't. And, um, like he, he made overtures. Uh, he wrote me a few letters cause we didn't have cell phones then. Uh, yeah. and, uh, but I was like, no, I'm good. Like I, and you were 16 at this point. I was almost 16. And, and so then what happened? He didn't, so he made some overtures <laughs> and then what? So, uh, he still hung out with my young, I had two younger brothers. Uh, he still hung out with them for a little while, but, <clears throat> um, my mom started seeing somebody seriously and, um, he just eventually just disappeared. So then you never, okay. So then you never spoke to him for 30 years after that? No. Mm-mm. And, um, so he was hospitalized so I think he died. Yeah, he died a week ago. No, no, it was more like three weeks ago. Oh, but he, he was more like three me. weeks. It was a long time ago, like three weeks ago. And, but like yeah. he was hospitalized a week before and it was kind of like, you know, but the, the thing is, um, my brother had reconnected with him about eight years ago and they actually have a relationship or ha- had a relationship. And, um, once, uh, my youngest brother reconnected with him, I got to learn more about him. And so my fantasy of him really changed because, um, when I last saw him, he was this like, you know, good looking ladies, man, grove a Harley made stained glass, you know, was drummer in a band, you know, just partier fun guy. And then, so in my mind, he was always that guy. And I was like, that was a cool guy. And then, and then when my brother reconnected with him, I learned that he wasn't those things at all. And he was living in Texas and there's just, he, he, we were very, very different type of people, um, in the world. And just, I mean, our politics, our approach to life, like, you know, I got to look at his Facebook page cause my brother was, you know, right. and I was just like, the, the, we, we have nothing in common. Um, and I would rather just keep those memories in this little box and not expose them to this other person that I don't know anyway. And so, um, for me, it was just a lot, um, more comforting and maybe romantic to just keep things there. Um, but what is the quality in you that you were able to like shut him up? Like he's your father. It's not like it's like some, some kid at school, right? That one day you're able to turn that off in your brain and be like, you know what? I'm not going to do this. He didn't hurt you. Right. Like at all. It was just, you were having fun with him, but you, something in you, in your, just as decided one day not to like talk to him and like you were able to shut it down like that. What yeah. is, what's that? What, what, how, what's that quality? And, and I, I guess the quality is like ROI. 
I mean, yeah, I know that sounds super weird, no, but, but like, like, I mean, I think I'm always evaluating the, the return on the investment of anything. So if I'm, if I'm putting my like energy into something, then I'm going to figure out whether net net it's positive for so me. So you an all in or all out type of person, 100%. right? 100%. So either you're like, right. So that's what I find interesting. Even like, so you didn't even think maybe I'll talk to my dad or like tell him I don't find this to be appropriate and like kind of, and, and change the, the kind of a relationship we have. No, because I'm, I'm, I'm insightful, right? And you so, know, and I'm just like, I, I already could like play out in my mind how that would have gone. Right. And I knew it wouldn't go well. Like right. I, it's not like I, that I don't want to give people a chance but he wasn't the kind of person who would have changed his approach. Right. It would have been impossible. Um, so when I kind of played out, okay, so what would the decisive. next step be? It would be like, no, it doesn't make sense. How I would say that would be good for you in business is that you're extremely decisive. I am extremely decisive. And when you make a decision, you make a decision and you stick to it. Obviously, if you could do that with your father for 30 years and then some, right? Yep. You could do it with anything. Yep. So like that to me is like how I would think it kind of, but how, what, how did that experience shape you 30 years later or like even 20 years mm -hmm. later? So, um, basically I'm going to write my nose cause I'm having allergies. Oh, go ahead. Like, I've got terrible allergies myself. It's so, crazy. I don't know if that's, I'm on a lot of, like, you never do that. Allegra, don't worry. No, um, yes, we won't, we won't even show that part. Yeah, They'll show me. You blur, blur it out or something. <laughs> yeah, no, you don't edit. So it's yeah, all, that's this is, right. This that's is the real say. deal. Real nose wiping. Yep. Um, so, uh, how it shaped me is, so I, uh, I mentioned this in the panel we're on, like, I don't believe in rules. Um, I don't really feel guilt, um, because it's just like a waste of energy. It mm -hmm. just feels like, um, you know, like, like I'm going to make a decision and then regret my decision, and then beat myself up over it. And that's like, like, it seems like a terrible, terrible waste of energy. Right. So, um, you know, when, um, you mean, you don't, it's not, that's not guilt though. That's more like you don't like, you don't, don't like dwell. second guess. You don't second guess your decision or you don't dwell on shit that's happened already. Well, the part that makes it sort of maybe guilt adjacent okay. is that, um, you know, maybe you get more information and somebody's like, Oh shoot. Like Should I, I shouldn't have it? done yeah. that. And I'm like, no, based on the information I had at the time, that's the decision I made. Now I have new information. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, so, uh, how, how it really has affected me. Um, so I, you know, you found out earlier to your shock and amazement that I'm a lesbian. Yes. Um, oh, wait, listen, okay. <laughs> the only reason why I was shocked was because you never mentioned it. Like, or I never saw it. I, I don't know. I wasn't shocked, but I was kind of shocked just cause like people would, I would think that you'd say, um, I don't know. Maybe I don't know why I was shocked. Actually, I have no idea why. No, I, was I shocked. mean, I didn't. There's no reason why I didn't I would be know shocked. you had a husband until I walked in. I know. I mean, honestly, there's no reason I was. I guess I just didn't know it. You know? I was actually I'll... shocked that you were heterosexual. Really? No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like maybe some would be. I mean, I don't know. No, it wasn't that I was shocked. I was more just like, oh, I didn't know that about oh, yeah, you. Oh yeah, exactly. It was more like just in surprise, like oh. Right, like I'm Canadian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, like I would have shown that same type of enthusiasm if you said I was Canadian, because <laughs> I'm Canadian, right? Or like if you said, you know, whatever you were, you know, it's just because you like I have a, I, I get very enthusiastic and excitable. I guess I get excited easily. Yeah, that's okay, it. Okay, well I, I'm. Uh... I, 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 maybe I should be more forthright with, uh, my gayness going forward. No. I'll keep that in mind. Yes, uh, no. I'll lead, I'll lead with my gay. No. Um, so, uh, That's so, so the way this has played out is, so I have a wife and we have two almost six year olds. Um, you have two almost six year olds. Yeah. A boy and a girl, they're twins. And, oh. uh, we started out, uh, with very different parenting styles. And this is not something that we could have ever guessed because we both met, we were both a little wild and crazy and sort of outrageous yeah, and yeah. challenged the dominant paradigm and the, you know, and, and, uh, and then when we got married and we had kids, um, she was like, okay, we're parents now and we're going to act like parents. And I was like, oh, I didn't know we were going to do that. Right. And, right, right, and right. I was like, you've totally changed. And she was like, you totally haven't. And I was like, this is a conversation <laughs> by the way, that people have all the time. This is the problem people have all I bet. the time. I bet. Like, all the time. I, I don't think I've met one couple or I don't care if you're heterosexual, not whatever. Does, whatever who cares? Everyone deals with this issue. Right. Right. So what happened? So, um, so, I mean, I, I don't believe in rules and I think, um, 
you know, uh, Christy, my wife, she came from, um, like her family was like the opposite of my family, right? Like, um, she came from this, like, you know, uh, very upper middle-class, uh, white, uh, sophisticated, highly educated, very successful family that, um, did everything right, you know? And, um, they, uh, they also had three kids and so on. And, and I, I, I won't, uh, go into too many de details about her story because that's hers to tell. But basically what I learned is that, um, the product of our parenting or our, our, I guess our being parented and the product of our life and growing up, um, didn't make one of us better than the other. You know, I mean, uh, she's more successful at some things. Um, I'm more successful at other things. Um, I think a lot of the, uh, the difficult times I went through actually really built resilience in me. Um, I think the difficult time that my mother had through the divorce, I think I ended up playing this role where, um, I found myself always trying to, um, make her laugh or help her see the bright side of things. And I think that ended up sort of becoming part of who I am. Mm. Um, I'm a wildly, um, optimistic person all the time. I'm, I'm somebody who never dwells. I'm, I'm like, I would, I don't complain ever. Um, and it's not like I don't complain because I'm a doormat. I don't complain because I'm like, well, I have my arms, my legs, and you know, I'm walking like, I've, you know, attitude. so I just, I have, a, I have, you know, so, and I feel like I don't know exactly how I became who I am, but certainly grit and challenge and things not being ideal, I think can actually help season mm -hmm. and develop a kid. And so where she wanted them to have this very sort of cookie cutter life. And I think there's some of it is, there is some of it to being gay. Like, well, if we're going to be, you know, lesbian parents, we need to be excellent parents. Mm -hmm. and like we're going to be role models, you know? And so maybe some of it is that. Um, but for me, I was like, no. Do you like, see that lot though? Like in, in your community then, or? Um, strangely, strangely, I haven't seen it. I haven't really seen it that much with gay people. Like I'm, I'm saying it like I've seen it, but I, I don't really think I've totally seen it. I have seen it with like, uh, like immigrant parents or like second generation mm -hmm. where there's a little bit of that, like right. wanting to fit into like being like American. Um, I haven't seen it too much, but I, but I feel like that was with, like that with her a little bit and maybe yeah, a that little bit like dynamic. that with the family, like, you know, we can do everything like you guys. And so, um, but for me, whether I was you know, with a woman or a man or anything, like, I just don't believe in those rules. So if you don't believe in rules, does that mean you don't believe in kids having a uh, routine structure or where, where does it, where do you mean by rules? Where like, do I draw the line? Yeah. yeah. Where does the line drawn? Um, especially with kids. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, where I draw the line is, um, if somebody says like you should or shouldn't do this, right. Like for me, like there's gotta be some proof to it. Mm -hmm. Like oh. if somebody says, okay. that makes like yeah. if, if I learn that kids having routines is actually helpful to their development, right. Um, then I will do my best to provide a routine for them. Right. So do they have a routine? The, yeah, they, they totally have okay. a routine. Um, well also Christy's a stay at home mom and she's, you know, very, you know, yeah. very, very uh, good at, at that stuff. So, um, um, but when it comes to like values, good or bad, or things that could be oppressive, like, oh, you shouldn't do that because it's not, mm. you know, that's where I get a little weird. Okay. That, okay. That makes more, that makes sense though. So it's not just like a free for all, right? It's no. not like that. It's just no. more about, okay. So give me an example with, give me one of those examples. Don't do this or that where it would okay. be. So, um, is that, it sounds like you have an open mind, if anything, it just sounds you're very open-minded and you're willing to listen to something that's opposing than what people's just, you don't just take something for face value is what it sounds like to me. I don't take something for face value and, um, I just consider possibilities, right? So, um, okay. One example would be arguing in front of your kids. Mm, okay. Um, so, you know, Christy might say, well, you know, don't, we, we, you know, we can't argue in front of the kids. Um, I'm like, no, they should hear different points of view. Right. I mean, if we're not being mean or insulting right. each other, like, I think it's helpful for them to know that you can have contrary points of view. And right. I think that will help them shape who they are and develop their points of view. Right, right, right. Um, 
you know, things like, uh, like socializing or drinking, you know, it's like some of my best times were when my parents had huge parties and, um, you know, they would, you know, relegate us to like a bedroom and we would be in the bedroom watching a show, but then we would want to sneak out and see what was going on. Like to me, those were really fun times. Exactly. So it's also because it's, it's all experience based. It's like your experience was a positive. So you're just taking that right. and it's living with you in your adult life. That's right. Right. That's right. So some of those things that somebody might assume were bad actually for me were very helpful and developmental. So I'm like, I don't know, maybe there are more of those things, right. you know, I think you're a product of your environment in a little bit, yeah. right? Like I think yeah. like anybody is right. For sure. So then sure. how do you balance? I hate that because I feel like everyone always, how do you balance, like, yeah. you know, life and parenting? And, but do you have like tricks or tips to kind of balance, especially when like we're talking about, like you have a different parenting style, like that comes with a whole other laundry list of stuff that happens sure. at home, Sure. you sure. know, then you have work and like, you know, it's not like you're, you're a coordinator, like you're running a, com a, a company that's growing <laughs> yeah. quickly. Um, so I don't balance. Um, thank God you said that. Yeah. I don't, way. I don't really believe in balance. Um, I, just, I think it's a myth to be honest with you. But well, it's, it's, um, it's interview. a myth and it's like, it's sort of a pre assumed goal for me. The goal is not balance. Right. For me, the goal yeah. is like living, like the whole thing being all mm -hmm. in or being all out. So for me, it's like, um, if I want to do something and it's important to me, then I'll do it because if I don't do it, I'll be resentful about it, right? If I don't want to do something, if I get invited to an event and I don't want to go, then I'll just say, no, sorry, I'm not into it. Right. Um, and I don't feel guilty about it because I'm like, well, if I go and I don't want to go, then like, like yeah. how am I going to show up there? Don't you, I mean, I feel like I do that all the time though. I feel like I'm always doing stuff that I don't want to do because I feel like this internal obligation. You don't get that mm -mm. feeling? No. God, I mean, it, sometimes with work, I will just because I, it's like, okay, I know, like, um, I, I know I should go on this, like, Habits and hustle. Hustle, hustle. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for that. Uh, um, yeah. But no, I mean, I think for work, you know, there are definitely times when it's like we all have to do things we don't want to do, um, whatever right. that is, and we all have a different list of those things. But in my personal life, no, I don't, because um, I always want to be the best version of myself. And it's if, 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 if that's being compromised because of resentment or like feeling like I'm missing out on something or... Um, because I, you know, I don't want to get in trouble, like whatever those things might be, then I'm just going to compromise who I am. And then like, why even be alive? Right. Listen, I, I, I'm hearing everything you're saying. <laughs> I tend to agree with a lot of it. So then what did you have a time? Do you have like, what's your schedule? Like, like give me like a day in the life of you. Like, what uh -huh. do you do? Uh, so, do you wake up? What do you do for routines and habits? And, uh, I wake up at exactly 6am every day because that's when my son wakes me up, mm, okay. uh, complete clockwork. Um, and then, uh, I will go make coffee and then I'll come upstairs and both kids will get in bed and they'll be allowed to watch one show in the morning in the morning. Um, it has to be wow. a PBS kids show. Okay. Um, what show do they like to watch? Um, they right now they're really into, um, that's just my own personal curiosity. Yeah. Right now they're really into, um, well, they really love super monsters. Uh, and they really love, um, Molly of Denali. Oh, really? Molly of Denali. Yeah. Hmm. So, um, I've got six, show about, yeah, that's show what I thought it would be in Alaska. Um, so, uh, and then I'll like look at my phone for a little while just to see if I missed anything urgent. And then, um, if it's a good day, I'll go for a run around the lake. I live by uh, the Silver Lake mm. Reservoir. Um, and then I'll come home, go to work. And then what time do you start work? Um, I'm in the office usually around nine. Um, and then what time do you get, what time do you leave around? Totally different every day. Every day. Every do you day. work from home sometimes? Like what's your, like, what is the day? I want to know yeah. because like you said, yeah. you seem so like, you seem so casual. Like I feel like if I didn't know any better, I, I don't know. I would think that you were like, just like kicking it here and you're going to like, <laughs> I don't know. Like just, I don't know what, what I, I, I know. I, I, I know what you're saying only because other people say it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't have like, even my team, like, I don't really care where they are, what they're doing. No, I'm just like, just do the job, do it really well, get it done on time. Right. Um, so it's like, People don't tell me like when they're going to be in the office and when they aren't. So you're not micromanaging. That's not your style. Oh my God, no. So from my, what I get, like you're super decisive. From this podcast, I would say that your leadership style is you're very decisive. 
right? Yes. Um, you don't dwell on on anything. Whatever when you make a, when you make a, whenever you make a decision, it's what it is, and that's what it is. Yep. What else? Um, you hire very very well, and you don't micromanage. You that's right. you, stay you out basically of the way. right. You stay out of the way and just help with obstacles. Okay, these are really great. These are these are great tactical things people can take as a leader yep. that work for you. Yep. Um, and you really don't have much of like a routine that's like I have to meditate every day. I have to eat broccoli and spinach at eleven o'clock. Like you don't have anything like that. No. Are, do you are you fanatical about eating tender greens every lunch? <laughs> well, you I do don't eat have tender greens. No, no, yes no, 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 no. I do. Well, we cater into the office, so oh, you um, do. Okay. so when I'm in the you office, like so you, did you, did you oh, like did you love it before? I ate at tender greens three days a week before I started working so you there did. for okay, years. Fine. Okay, so you were so what? So by the way, so before you worked at Pete's, you were you were a Pete's coffee yes. drinker. Before yes. you worked at Tender Greens, you were a Tender Greens eater. Did you go get your hair blown out at the dry bar that, before you worked at dry bar? That's the only exception. Uh, so like I was an Apple user before Apple. Right. Uh, that's the only exception. Um, my hair is pretty easy. It looks great though. I thought I thought for sure that you were like Thank still you. a still a Thank you. No, bar. this is all me. Wow. I mean I learned some tips and tricks. I, was Don't gonna, get me wrong. I, would, I would I would think so. Uh but um this is this is tough for me because like obviously I spent many, many years there selling the dream, but I think um, for people who have very difficult hair and a lot of people have really difficult hair and they don't want to take the time to do it. And so driving to a dry bar and getting a blowout is worth it to them. Sometimes they're working and like we had, right, we had lawyers who were like, I'm making money doing this, you know? Um, <laughs> so, um, I think it's, I think it's very useful or, or for people going to events or things like that, but my hair is pretty easy. And so when I worked at dry bar, I would get blowouts, but even then, even though I could get a, dry, a blowout whenever I wanted, I didn't get them as often as most people just because my hair is not that hard to do. Right. Um, but I, but I understood it. I mean, I'm not like a super high maintenance woman. Um, but I am into hair. Like I, I like really into hair products and I've always cared about my hair. So it's like, it was something I I understood, um, but you know, I haven't gotten a blowout since I left. Well, okay. Well, so. that's, I'm not, listen, you're, I have one today, but I never do. I'm like very much na like, oh, natural with that stuff It looks too. natural. Yeah. Looks, well, cause I, 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 was, I was just bored. I'm, I'm so sick of having the same look. I mean, I feel like I am Steve Jobs. Like I wear the same thing every day, a black shirt. Blah, blah, blah. Like I have no, I, I try to put as much stuff on autopilot so I don't have to think about it. You know, I, like smart. I wear the same thing every day. I, I eat the same thing. Like every single breakfast is the same. Every lunch is like a couple different options. Just, I don't want to think about stuff like that. It yeah. just, it kind of like, it kind of saves space for things that are much more yeah. important in my life. Well, I saw your lunch order was very specific. Although I'm very particular. You're yes. very particular. Because that's, I'm very, <laughs> that's another reason, by the way, I'm very, very particular. And so some places is going to deal with it. Hopefully, I mean, we'll see today. We'll you, see if they show up with the right food. I know, right? Um, okay, so I guess that's basically it. You have nothing, you, do you have anything you want to add to this uh, lovely list of stuff? Um, uh, no, I mean, we've we've covered a lot of ground. We covered a lot of we ground. It says here, when it says after here, what what are any unique rituals that you keep? You you said that you love karaoke and you love... Oh, yeah, I built really? a karaoke room in my home. Are you kidding me? No. Do you have like uh, Japanese uh, businessmen coming over all the time and, um, <laughs> and um, having a session with you in there? Or? No, it's it's funny that it didn't occur to me that that should be part of it. Yeah, uh, but uh, that, another revenue that's stream amazing. for you. That's amazing. Right, that's an amazing idea. Um, no, I uh, I actually would spend a lot of time at karaoke bars, and finally, that was uh, not something I would ever expect coming from you. You're like, you're like literally surprising me with so many different things. I would never think you were a karaoke person. I was going to end this podcast right now with then. Oh my goodbye. God. And now you're telling me like this. You've, you've no, actually I'm so built glad. one. I'm, I'm so glad that this didn't left, get left out because um, I would say it's probably one of the most, if I'm going to lead with anything, yeah. um, lesbian would be second to karaoke person. Seriously? Yes. Okay. Why? Yeah. You just love it? You I just fun? love it. Because I think it brings the world together. I think karaoke true. karaoke could create world peace. You know, I actually think you're you're, you're actually onto something. Mm -hmm. Because who? How do you not have a good time when you're singing with a bunch of other people, other friends, and whoever? It's, it's a great it's a great bonding thing. It's a great thing to like. You should bring it into the Tender Greens office for for like an oh, yeah. employee bonding. Oh, I'm sure yeah. you have it. Like yeah. that, that was yeah. probably like yeah. an obvious one, right? Yeah. Wow. Okay, that's another great <laughs> leadership skill. Why don't you know maybe just 
karaoke with your employees. Oh yeah. Well, that's, that was sort of like my secret sauce that I didn't want to let out, but it's out there. Well, now everyone's going to be doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. How do people find you if they're more curious and interested in in Uh, the ways of, uh, the ways of me? Um, I, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm also Danielle Bruno, um, at Danielle Bruno on Instagram. And, uh, Tell people to go eat a salad and a piece of chicken. Oh my gosh. Go, uh, if you like good food, um, and you haven't been to tender greens, you should absolutely go. We make all of our food fresh daily. Um, we source from the highest quality, uh, farmers, uh, all of our restaurants have an executive chef. Um, you will get a five-star meal for a three-star price. And, uh, if you haven't been there yet, shame on you. Right. I second that motion. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Danielle. This was actually very fun. I'm, I'm very happy to have you on. Yeah, and, it's very fun. And well, that's it, guys. See you later. Thanks. Bye. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the Podcast Princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.